Thank you, God, for the opportunity this morning to stand in this place, open your word, and to mine its truths. I know that you're the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before you despised the cross and endured the shame. You've ascended to the Father, and I ask you, O Lord, to move in this place with holy fervor and let us experience the anointed word of God today. Help us, Lord, to find a lodging place for this truth and help us, God, to become better adjusted to your purpose, more aligned for your will. We pray that prayer in the strong name of Jesus, whose he is and who we serve. Amen and amen. Well, Columbus in 1492 sailed the ocean blue. It was because he had a vision that there was a new world. There was on this continent what we call patriots that were true to a vision that they had. They had a vision that there could be a new nation on this continent brought forth that would uh, serve uh, man and serve uh, people who had religious preferences, that they were free to worship God as they wanted to. That was in the mind and heart of the founding fathers. It was a new nation brought forth on this continent that Abraham Lincoln talked about when he said, I have a dream also, and it's of a free people, an emancipated people. And he uh, issued an emancipation proclamation stating that all men are created free and equal in the mind of their creator and should be in the mind of every one of us. There was a, a time when there was a, a war in World War I, and there was a president whose name was Woodrow Wilson, and he believed that there could be a league of nations, that we didn't have to use missiles and bombs and rifles and machine guns to settle our, our differences, that we could sit down at the table and talk like normal people and we could come to a resolution. But the League of Nations never happened, and it failed miserably. Our Congress wouldn't vote for it. Wow, that's interesting. A United Nations later was approved and finally made it uh, past uh, Congress. But uh, if you just took what we believed around 1918, 19, you would say we'd rather fight than switch. We were a fierce nation. We just really wanted to, wanted to duke it out. Let's just get our, get our tanks lined up and get all of our armistice lined up and let's just fight till the last man standing. And that was a, a very poor way for us to still resolve our differences in this world. It's a disgrace that we can't sit and talk about what needs to be done and do it in unity and do it in, in favor. There was a thing called a depression in 1932 and there was a president called FDR Roosevelt that had a new deal. New deal. I'll give you 40 acres on a mule and brother you'll get to produce it and we'll get this uh, depression behind us and get the economy going. And uh, many people uh, laud him as being the one who led us out of the depression. Many years ago, over a hundred now, there was a group of people that stood under a tent over on Zen Park Way. And they believed they had a vision that there could be a church in Anniston, Alabama, a Pentecostal church, a church that would serve the Lord, that would love the Lord, that would preach the Word of God, that would believe God and have a message for the people of Anniston, Oxford, Hobson City, all the cities in this area. And now after a hundred years, 
we're still sitting here today believing that God has a purpose and God has a plan for this city. It has a plan for all the surrounding cities and the cities in the region. We were permitted at one time to preach around the world and had a global television audience of millions of people that were touched and blessed by the ministry of, of this church. Amen. And today we stand looking into the future not knowing what the future holds. But we know who holds the future. And we know who holds our hand. The old, old song says, I, I don't worry about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't worry or the future or what it may bring or it may. But thanks be to God, we know whose hand we hold. And the one whose hand we hold holds all of our tomorrows in his hand. And he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we're able to think or to ask. And that's when we come to our text for today. And it's short and it's simple. Proverbs 4 and 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are all of the issues of life. Brother Ford said his duty became when he purchased an appliance was to make sure he had all of the connections. I'll tell you something more important. Make sure you got the maintenance contract. Because you're probably going to need the maintenance contract some point in that deal. Maintain. How, how do you maintain a, a heart? We do it every Sunday. We exercise our heart every Sunday. We bring our, our heart in here every Sunday for a treatment. You believe that? We expose it to the Word of God. Every time, this morning included, we've come to lay our heart bare before the Word of God and let the Word of God do with our heart whatever God intends to do. God has an intention for your heart. The Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, that tells us one thing, keep our heart pure. In other words, keep it from all the devastating things that Satan would use to attack us. His devices, his schemes, his plans that he has for all of our demise. But if we keep our heart pure, we keep all of those lustful things and those things that uh, destroy our character, we keep those things in check and keep those things uh, in their proper place in, in our life. Over in that file 13 that says defeated. Defeated. If we can live in our hearts and keep those things that we're dead to. The Bible said we're dead unto sin. We need to keep dead dead. We need to keep unclean things dead. We need to keep, keep things that are harmful to our, our walk with God and toxic for our, our, our spirit man. We need to keep those things dead exactly where they are. The Bible said, for ye are dead to sin, if so be that the spirit of God be in you. And if the spirit of God be in you, then ye are, are dead to all of these things that would come into your heart and come out of your heart. You see, if every action and every reaction begins with a thought, did you believe that? Everything you do, everything, every action begins with a simple thought, a, a thought. You see, 
When you have a thought before the brain sends signals to the body members to act, it first has to process that data and make a decision and then send the order. You know, Peter first had a thought and then he climbed out the bow. It was the thought that won the victory for him. The thought that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The thought that if I get his permission to come, if I say, Lord, I want to come to you, and he says to me, then climb over the bow and come to me. If it's God's word, then faith is a positive response to God's word. That's what faith is. Somebody said, if God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. No, it, you don't, you're believing it. don't really matter whether it settles it or not. You know, what settles it is eternal in the heavens. And the Bible said, thy word, O God, is established eternal in the heavens. So we're a little bit late. If God's word says it, that settles it. I said, that settles it. It's our manual for living. It's our, our, our map uh, for our, our journey. And this, this thing of responding to perception, Peter had that thought, then he climbed over the bow. The miracle began with just a thought, just a thought. That thought was so positive that it believed that God could do it. When David had his moral collapse, and yes, all of his actions began with a thought. If he could have captured that thought before it became an act, Come on, somebody. He could have saved a lot of hurt and a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain and a lot of, lot of anguish. Could have been uh, overdone and could have been defeated if simply he could have been strong enough in his heart to have maintained and said no. There comes a time in all of those kind of things that it just simply comes down to your strength of your heart. If your heart is strong with the Lord, when David realized that my way to fix my heart, fix my heart, sometimes your heart needs fixing. Sometimes your heart gets out of beat with God. Sometimes your heart makes mistakes. Sometimes your heart allows things in the door of your heart. The Bible said, guard your heart. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, guard your heart. Stand guard at your, the door of your heart, and there's things you need to refuse to let it come in. Refuse to let it come in. Amen. Lock that door really good with faith and say, Satan, you're not welcome in that part of my heart. Satan, I'll not let you find you a lodging place in that part of my heart. You can't take up residence in my heart and then start feeding thoughts that's not going to happen listen folks you got to maintain your heart you've got to check up on your heart you've got to make sure that your heart is not carrying you down a path that you don't want to go somebody said just follow your heart no don't do that because the bible said the heart is exceedingly wicked the Bible says the heart is tremendously evil in all of its negotiations and all of its presence. Don't go to your unconverted heart and try to seek for an answer. It'll give you an answer that you don't need to hear. Go to God's Word and get an answer that you need to get. Don't go to a heart 
that has been deceived or defeated by something and has something in it that ought not to be there. Misery loves company, and so do people that have bad hearts. Brother, you've got to guard lest there be in any of you. Listen, is that what the Bible says? Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Amen. You mean the battle about believing and unbelief happens in my heart? Yes, it's the center of your conscience. It's the center of your emotions. It's, it's the, where everything is reasoned out. It's where you decide what you're going, the steps that you're going to take. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, but he can't walk them for you. You've got to put shoes on, walk in the steps he ordains. You've got to submit to the leadership and the direction of the Spirit of God and be the person he wants you to be. Otherwise, you're going to have heart problems. Heart problems. Now, when David accepted his fate and God told him, said the child is not going to live. He could have got mad at God. Not an amen in the house. Someone told us this week they were mad at God. Brother, you can't make it mad at God. You might as well get past that right now. You might as well deal with that right now because there's nothing else to be dealt with until you deal with that. Because if you've dismissed him, then you're in really, really poor shape. And you need rescuing quick. You need somebody to get a touch of God for you. Somebody needs to pray a prayer for you quick. I said, you're on a downhill ride in a fast pace. You better get off of that way of thinking and get off of that track you're traveling as quick as you can. Because God is the author of all goodness and God is the author of all kindness. It's God that saves. It's God that delivers. It's God that heals. It's God that will bring about your relief from your oppression. It's God that will reach down in the quagmire of sin and lift you up and get you out of that position. God wants you to love him because God is love. And God hath commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you and he cares about you. Get off of that way of thinking. God is not to blame for the wrong that's been done in your life. God is not to blame for the tragedies that have happened in your life. Quit blaming God. It's not God. It's not God. But when you accept that God has acted justly, that's one thing you need to understand. Know ye not that the king of all the earth will do right. God will do right. God is fair. He's more than fair. He's just. In fact, he's more than just. He is a God. Satan will always bring a thought to destroy you. Your demise will always be Proceeded with a thought. A thought. You see, when that thought is perceived, and when that thought is planted, that seed is planted in the ground, unless you allow it, listen to me, Satan cannot take away anything that God's given to you. If you put your foot down and say, No, Satan, you can't have that. God gave me that. 
that belongs to me. And you're not going to get it back without a fight on my part. I'll fight you. I'll chew you. I'll kick you. I'll wrestle with you. I'll do everything. And when I can't raise a hand to fight you anymore, I'll gum you to death with my gums because I'm going to fight you about what God has given to me. Hmm. You see, every one of us have an immune system. Do you know that? Got an immune system. Did you know the devil knows about your immune system? You know what our, all of our immune system is? It's our faith. And you got to contend for your faith. There's a contest on about your faith. There's a contest on about your, your immune system. Your faith that you have is your immune system. In other words, that's what you believe. I said, that's what you believe. And see, when you believe that God is gracious, and you believe that God is kind, and you believe that God is loving, and you believe that God hears prayer, and you, you, hear, you believe that God will, will save to the uttermost, you believe that God will fill with the Spirit, you believe that God will heal a home, that God will heal a person, and you believe those things. When someone comes to you and they're really giving God all the bad rap, and you, you step up, hey, wait a minute, you need to reconsider that. There's something that will rise up in you. Your faith, hallelujah, your faith is what comes alongside you when everything else fails. Your immune system. Praise God, if we could just stop Satan's attacks at that point right there when he comes against our immune system. You know what? I love it when he finds a faith that he can't defeat. I love it when he finds a, a soul that, that he can't destroy. I love it when God uh, exercises himself to righteousness and when God uh, gets involved in a, in a situation and overcomes the enemy of our, our souls. I love it when God is proven true and the devil is proven to be false and God is light and the devil is darkness and there is no darkness at all in the God that we serve. I love it when that happens because our immune system is healthy when those things take place. You see, when you can fight the devil and even run him off. Tell you this, the devil, the Bible said, is the liar and he's the father of a lie. Do you know what defeats a lie? The truth. Who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? The Lord Jesus said that. And because he said that, praise the Lord, it applies for every one of us that Satan can't defeat us if our immune system is strong. When our heart is exercised under righteousness, hallelujah, the devil has a hard time defeating you. If you guard your heart and you maintain your heart and you keep your heart. You see, the Bible said the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Well, what does that mean? That means if I just keep God on, in my focus and keep my ears open to the Word of God, then I don't have to worry about my slide. God help us 
to arrest our thoughts before we begin to slide. Because if you're sliding, you're not gaining ground. You're losing ground. I heard somebody say, well, that's certainly me right there, Pastor. We'll have an altar service in just a minute, and you can stop sliding and start climbing. Get in gear and start doing better. I said, get in gear and start doing better. Get excited about the things that ought to excite you. Get blessed and built up over things that are designed by God to build you up and encourage you. The law of his God is in his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Which one are you? Do you like, look like somebody just died? Or do you look like somebody that's merry in your heart? What kind of a countenance do you have? What kind of a radiance is there about you? Is it a sorrowful one or is it a merry one? If you've got a merry heart, the Bible said it worketh good like a medicine. Are you kidding me? A merry heart worketh good like a medicine. And you go over there and sit three hours to see a doctor for him to write you some medicine that you don't know it's going to help you or not. And I don't think I got you but about 45 minutes. And I'm going to try to get you to take some medicine for a merry heart. The Bible said he can put a song in your heart. The Bible said he can make joyful the praise of his people. Boy, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if God was to make joyful the praise of his people this morning. I wonder if our praise could be categorized as joyful praise. Joyful praise. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that excited kind of praise. That, that worshipful kind where you sing and you just get lost singing in the Lord and singing in the Spirit and God's just blessing your old soul and you're not seeing anybody on the face of the earth and you're not hearing Aunt, Aunt Lucy talk about how this was happening. Suddenly you just right there worshiping and God's just blessing you and your old heart just gets so merry and you just turn around and say, Hey, Bill, good to see you, buddy. How you feeling? Instead of somebody that walked into a mortuary. If I was a visitor... Why would I want to come to this church? If I was here my first time this morning, why would I want to come back? Now, don't cheat now. I don't go to smiling now. That's cheating. You see, a world that's in crisis needs a church that's in revival. And if you're not careful, your heart will become overcharged. Jesus gave that as a sign when they said, what about the end times? What's going to happen? He said, take heed that no man deceive you. And then he said, lest your heart be overcharged with surfeiting. You know what surfeiting is? 
It's not anything to do with a surfboard. Nothing to do with a beach. It is a New Testament word, surfeiting, and what it means is drunken nausea. Or what you would call a hangover. You know, one of the things that can happen to my heart, except my immune system picks it off before it happens, something that happens in the human heart is I can just get sick on the things of the world. There's a disease-carrying element out there, and it's not COVID. It's called sin. And brother, if it gets in your heart... You need to guard your heart so that doesn't ever get in your heart. Even the thoughts that would lead to sin, that, that will ruin you spiritually. Drunken nausea, surfeiting, listen, and drunkenness and the affairs, the cares of this life. You mean you can get so wrapped up in what all is going on in the world that you just dismiss totally and un, here's your word, disconnect and just kind of pedal at your own speed for a while. God's not looking for people that want to coast. God's looking for some peddlers. God's looking for some people that not, aren't given out but still have energy to say, let's go, let's get the work done for God. Yes, in this church, buddy, Satan killed us during that COVID time. Just about destroyed every ministry that we do. Just going to be honest with you. The list is in there, brother. When are we going to start doing this again? When are we going to... Boy. Well, there ain't but one of me. And I can't get hope going again, Trish. I got to have somebody to get hope going. What is hope? Hope is helping other people endure. It's a ministry among women that we do here at the church. We're trying to put it back together. We've got ministries that need someone. We had ministry to widows. And we had great things going with that. We had a banquet for them at Christmas and all this. But workers became weary and well-doing. And when it became popular not to go to church anymore, that you don't need church anymore. Hey, I want to tell you, that's a lie of the devil. You need church. You need church, and the church needs you. And it's wrong for us to pine for things that we used to have if we're not willing to get busy and get it built back and get it working again and get going again for God. Now clap for that. The Bible said the people had a mind to work. The people had a, had a mind for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For the heart, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I got to hurry. Come on, Olivia. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left hand, left side. 
So in our mind, our thinking must be led into providing a place. Don't give place to the devil. That place becomes a chamber in our minds to process our desires and our, our heart then begins its direction toward a foolishness thought life. When Job's wife walked around to that man of faith, and she said to him, Dost thou still hold thine integrity unto God? Why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just give it up? Why don't you just throw in the towel and say, I quit? Look at you sitting here at an ash heap with a potsherd, scraping the scabs off your sores. You're miserable. Look at you. Why don't you just throw in the towel and quit? How many have ever heard that? Why don't you just give it up? Why don't you just quit? And Job, with eyes that were bloodshotting, a tongue sticking to the roof of his mouth, burning up with fever, looked up at that woman, and he said, Woman! Thou talkest as a foolish woman talks. A foolish, hold on to that word. A foolish woman talks like you're talking. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And blessed, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, if you've got a faith, if you've got a faith, that is an immune system. When all that toxic stuff comes out of the mouth, come on somebody, comes out of the mouth, and you're sitting there listening to all of that junk spewing out, at some point your faith has got to say, shut up that evil talk. Stop that foolishness. Stop that foolish thinking. Stop talking like that. The God I serve is greater than any obstacle that would get in my way. The God that I serve, the God that I serve knows where I am. The God that I serve knows what I'm battling with. The God that I serve knows exactly how about the pain. He's touched by the feeling of my infirmity. He knows all about my suffering, knows all about my anguish, knows all about my mental uh, state. And I want you to know that he that keepeth me will neither slumber nor sleep. He is the Lord of my life. He is the God of my heart. And my heart is fixed on thee, O oh God. My heart is fixed. It's in the right position. It's hallelujah. It's, it's fed by the word of God. It's watered by the spirit of the living God. My heart is fixed on thee, O oh God. My heart is fixed. Wow. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. There are many devices in a man's heart, but nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. The counsel of the Lord shall stand. There are many devices. Proverbs 19 and 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Do you realize that there are a lot of devices in your heart? 
But there's one thing that takes precedence over every other device and thought that is in your heart. What is that, Pastor? The counsel of the Lord. The Bible called him a wonderful counselor, Mark. His counsel, his advice supersedes all others. Have you took it to the Lord in prayer yet? Before you talk to everybody about how bad it is, have you taken it to the Lord yet? Have you got before the Lord, put your elbows on his knees and looked him right in the face and said, Oh God, I need your help. I can't handle this by myself. Would you tell me what to do? Would you tell me the path to take? Would you order my steps? I want my heart, God, to be in tune with you. I want to do the right things. I want to hear the right advice. I want to get the right counsel. God, would you give me counsel? Would you give me advice and help me to know what to do? Because my left hand is so awkward trying to do right-handed things. Did you get that? He said, the Lord is at my right hand. And my problems and my evil heart is at my left. We were eating Thanksgiving dinner, and my grandson, little fellow, looked over at me and said, Papa, you're eating with your wrong hand. And I said, well, it's the wrong hand for you, but it's the right hand for me. He said, oh, that, that don't look right. That don't look like. I write left-handed upside down. You know why they, they do that? Because we sat in desks that had one arm that came out the right side. So Michael, to write on that desk, I had to sit out on the edge of the seat and turn sideways and write this way. I was a left-handed man in a right-handed world. But David is saying here, the preacher is saying, rather, in Ecclesiastes, that the Lord's on my right side. At my right hand, the Lord is available. That means everything that is godly, that means everything that is righteous, everything that is pure, everything that is holy, everything that's in His Word, everything that's according to His will is on my right hand. The Lord is at thy right hand. Perk up your ears. Then... If everything on my right hand is of the Lord, every one of you in this house were born left-handed. Did I throw you for a loop? If you don't know the Lord, you're left-handed. It's all on your left side because all that's on your right side is the Lord and there is none beside him no he won't share his place with anybody else it's not a matter of him coming over and seeing it your way it's a matter of you getting on the right side in other words I've got to somehow by the word of God 
get you who are a left-handed to become a right-handed spiritually person. Not talking about anatomical. I'm talking about spiritual. Hallelujah. You need to become a right. Because everything, if you're right-handed, then everything you're trying to do with your left hand is awkward. It's always inferior to the right hand. In Scripture, the right hand is a place of honor. The right hand is always a place of power. The right hand is the king's place. It's, it's where kings and princes sit on the, glory to God, on the throne and on the right hand. On the left hand, there's nothing but disappointment and nothing but sorrow. On the left hand, there's nothing but defeat. You'll never find Jesus on the left hand of anything. When Stephen saw Jesus, when God opened up the heavens, Mark, he said, I see Jesus. Where is he? Where is he, Stephen? He's standing at the right hand of God. Yeah. Hebrews 12, it talks about them witnesses. Talks about the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is sat down. Where is he sat down? On the left hand? Oh no! He sat down on the right hand of God. The right hand is holiness. The right hand is purity. The right hand is anointing. The right hand is blessing. The right hand is answers to your prayers. The right hand has got all kinds of positives but when you look on the negative, you see everything that's wrong and everything that hurts and everything that's disappointing and everything that's sorrowful. Aren't you glad that there came a day when the Lord changed you from a left-handed to a right-handed? Won't it be great when you go home from church today and someone says, well, what did you learn at church today? I found out I'm right-handed. Well, you've always been left-handed. Yeah, but I got changed this morning. I decided I'd quit looking on the left side and quit looking over there at the bad and quit looking at the ugly and quit looking at the disappointment and quit looking at the disillusion and quit looking at all those things and start looking on the right side because on God's side, there's blessing and on God's side, there's answer to prayer and on God's side, there's healing for my body. On the right side, there's all kind of blessing that God has for me. I'm just going to dwell on the right side. Wow. It's in next Sunday's message, but let me give you a little tease. When the people of Israel were standing at Kadesh, about to go into the promised land, Joshua sent them over into the promised land. They came back and said, Caleb, said, what did you find? He said, oh, thanks be to God, I found a land flowing with milk and honey. Brother, I saw pastor so green it looked like Kentucky. Buddy, I saw everything in the world that was so blessed and so wonderful. Man, there's grapes there and apples and, and pomegranates and there's all kind of spices there and there's all kind of, kind of melons and everything in the world that anybody could want. It's, a, it's a, such a wonderful place. 
And one of the guys that was with him said, that's a lie. That's a lie. What? You saw the same thing Caleb did. Caleb saw all this food and saw all this blessing and, and honey and, and, and all kind of food and all kind of blessings and, and meadows for our cattle and all kind of places we would really love and like. And, and you say he's lying? What did he lie about? Oh, said, he didn't tell you about the fenced cities. He didn't tell you about the giants that were in the land, the sons of Anak. He didn't tell you about all the harsh things of that, 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 that country. That, that country will swallow you up. And said, buddy, I'm telling you, we better turn and go another way because we'll everyone perish if we go that way. Caleb said, hold it, hold it, hold it. Our God is able to give us the promise that he made to us. Our God will see us through. If there's battles to fight, he'll fight for us. If there's things to endure, he'll endure them with us. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. We're well able to take that land. How is it that when one of us sees a blessing, somebody else sees a curse? What is it about us that when one says we can do it, there will always be, no, we can't. No, we can't. You know that story. But you know what? i got to land this plane. It wasn't giants. Let's interview one of them. Giants? Is there any giant anywhere in this house? I wish one would stumble out here. I'd like to interview him. Did you boys, Joe, shoot some arrows or something over there at those Israelites? No. We well, all must have waded out in the water a little bit to cross and intimidate him. No. Well, you must have sent him a letter and told him he's going to wipe him out. No. We didn't do any of that. There wasn't but one thing that kept them from going in. You know what it was? Their thoughts. They heard something that made them feel a certain way. Oh, buddy, I'm preaching this morning. They heard something that kind of ticked them in the right direction to cause them to become cynical and to become negative and become pessimistic. Come on, folks. What I'm talking to you about is church killers. Things like that will kill a church graveyard dead. Be careful. That's an entry point right there. Post a guard at that door. I said, post a guard at that door. And when one of those devices would try to get in that door and stick his foot in the door, you get that door and you squeeze his foot till he pulls it back and you shut that door and say, no, I'll not let you steal a vision and steal a promise and steal a purpose steal an anointing steal a blessing in Jesus name I'll shut that door right now and you'll not come into my heart
Come on, somebody. You ever done that, Pastor? Yes, lots of times. Lots of times. Lots of times. Stand with me, please. I preached to somebody this morning. You see how easy I did that? What I look like Wednesday trying to do that, Don? I got up this morning and I said, God, you got to help me preach this morning. And I was walking around in my study and I made a turn like that right there and something popped. from preaching this morning it would have been easy just said Don you're going to have to handle it today but I'm going to preach this morning I got the message this morning I got the mind of God this morning I'll preach this morning I'll preach this morning good to see you sweetie hallelujah I'll preach this morning. I'll preach this morning. Larry, I'll preach this morning. Who luck I shot up myself. I'll preach this morning. Hallelujah. Doc, I'll preach this morning. Couldn't do that the other day, true office, could it? Glory to God. If God wants you to preach, however, devil in hell can't keep you from preaching. If you'll just do what God called you to do and be where God wants you to be. Woo! Say what God wants you to say and be God's mouthpiece. God will do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask. Hallelujah. 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 If you need something from God, promise I won't keep you long. Holy Ghost can do whatever he wants to do, but I don't intend to keep you long. If you'll come pray with me. I want to get this year started off with people that are praying, people that are believing God. Come on, hurry. Don't, don't, don't take too long.
This is the day the Lord hath made. God, you put a church of God here in Anniston over a hundred years ago. I wish those 17 people were present this morning. I'd put them on the front row right here. They had no idea that what they were doing that little September Sunday morning in 1917, that what they were doing would last over a hundred years. Been through many battles, many storms, many heartaches, but we've come this far by faith. We've come this far by faith. Your faith, your grace has brought us safe this far. Your grace will lead us on. Oh God, we believe you to be sufficient for every need that we have. There are people, oh Lord, in this altar this morning that have come with various needs. But you are the counselor, the divine counselor. And I just preached from this pulpit that the counsel of the Lord standeth sure. God, I pray in your name. In your name, oh God. Lift your hands all over this altar. Lift your hands right now, right straight up to God. Here I am, Lord, paused in your presence, standing here before you, God. I know in my heart that I want to serve you. I know in my heart that I want to live for you. I know in my heart, Lord, that it's my goal to make heaven my home. I know in my heart, O oh Lord, that you're the Lord of my life. And let come what may, my heavenly Father watches over me. Amen. I know that your eye is upon the righteous. Your hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Oh, yeah. Your ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. You're a God who is touched this morning by the feeling of our infirmities. Your word said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. 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 The Lord delivers them out of them all. The Lord delivers him out of them all. Thank you, God. Lord, we worship you. The Lord said, just reach up and accept your deliverance then. Just receive it. God is extending his hand towards you this morning. And he's saying, here is the answer to your prayer. Here's the deliverance that you're looking for. Here is the power. Here is the anointing. Here's the blessing. Here it is. Thank you, God. Reach up and receive it right now. That In Jesus' name, just reach right up there in the face of God and receive his answer to your prayer. Oh, we thank you, Father. Blessed be your name, God, who are and was and will be. Thank you, God, for your throne room and our prayers today. Thank you for the liberty to preach and the liberty, God, to lead people in prayer. 
Help us this morning, O oh Lord, to be the church you'd have us to be. Help us, Lord, to care about people and love people and share gospel truth with people that they'll be saved. Help us, God, to do things, Lord, that have not been thought possible before, that you would make possible for the people of God. Help us, God, to do things in your name that will make a difference in people's lives. Help us, God, to go forth in power, not weakness and not excuses, but in the power of the Spirit of God. Help us, Lord, to be that hand extended to this region and this city and this county and this area. We're your people, Lord. We're your people. We're your people. We're your people. We're your people. We're your people, God. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Spirit of God. Bless your name, Jesus. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Come on, sing it with me. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to Father, Lord, we bless your name and we praise you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the honor, all the praise, all the praise, all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. God, in Jesus' name, you're the author of all goodness. You're the healer of our bodies. You're greater than cancer. You're greater than heart disease. You're greater than emphysema. You're a great God. And I pray, O oh Lord, for this sister that needs a touch of your spirit, your healing. And I pray that you'd move upon her, O oh God, and let your great grace, your great healing power, Move in her body and move in her life, I pray. In the strong name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, God. Praise your name, Jesus. God, you're the God who heals. You're the God who delivers. You're the God who directs. You're the God who gives counsel. I pray in Jesus' name that you would let the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit 
come and touch Mary right now, oh God, in your name we pray. God, move upon her by your grace and your power and your spirit. Give her, oh Lord, an unction from the Holy One of Israel. Bless her, oh God. God, heal and do your ministry. Do your great work, we pray. Jesus, Jesus, mighty name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The Bible said these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall pray one for another, and they shall be healed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Anybody in this house believe that? If you believe that, then we believe that God can do what His Word says He can do. And if you'll believe with me, you said you believe it. If you would believe with me, there's, there's power in agreement. If we can agree that God will do that, believe God for it. Believe God for it. Believe God for it. Believe God for it. God, for people that are looking for a miracle today, for people that are facing things that are impossible, for people that are trying to believe God for something that they cannot do themselves, God, I come to you, the miracle worker, the one who said, if you come unto me, I will in no wise cast you out. The one who said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The one who said, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. I pray in Jesus' name, God, right now, that you would touch people that are believing for the impossible, that are believing, O oh Lord, for a miracle. And would you in your grace and your power, some are watching on closed circuit, God, I ask you, those that are watching on Facebook right now, in Jesus' name, I pray, oh God, for those that extend your hand right this way right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for them, oh God, that you would let the supernatural power of God flow into their body and touch them and give them an answer, oh Lord. Many of them are wrestling with terrible diseases, God, but you're able to heal their body. And I ask you to touch them, Lord Jesus. In your great name, your great name, your great name, your great name, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing praises to his name. Oh, for a thousand hands to raise in honor to our King. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Thank you, O oh Lord, for people that received an answer to their prayers today. And I ask you to move upon them, God. Let them experience, God, a great touch of your grace and your power. Now, as we dismiss from this place, God, I pray that people would go from this place healed by your grace, healed by your power, healed by your stripes. You said by your stripes we're healed. In Jesus' name, God, touch our bodies and heal our bodies, Lord. Forgive all of our iniquities and heal all of our diseases. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.